0: Hello. Hey, give it up for this band one more time for leading us in worship. Thank you guys so much for leading us this week. That was awesome. Hey, how was your day today? Guess what? Uh, You gotta go home tomorrow. Party's over! Show's over, everybody! You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here unless you want to fundraise another $14,000, okay? I'm sorry. It's just not how it works. Hey, I um, wanted to start tonight by saying how awesome this week has been. Um, We ain't done. I got one more talk for us. But we've wrestled this week with this concept of truth, We looked at the fact that there are things that we can know, that there are absolute truths in this world. And one of those truths that's so important, that's so challenged and and so attacked in today's society, in today's world, is the idea that there is a God. Like all this didn't just come from nothing. There is a God. And there's a library of books known as the Bible that tells us a lot, not all, but a lot about him. We wrestled with sin, sin, We looked at sin, and and we talked about how it's built up a wall between us and God. We looked at the life and ministry of Jesus, the fact that there was a Messiah. The fulfillment of all those promises came and became the perfect sacrifice so that you and I could experience forever with God. And then last night, we talked about the gospel, that it truly is the only power we have. we just sang that. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Jesus is our living hope. Jesus isn't dead. He ascended to heaven, and as He promised, we looked at this last night, He's been preparing a place for us. For those of us who have put our faith in Him, for those of us who believe in Him, for those of us who trust and follow Him, for those of us who have repented of our sin and gone full pin at His way of life, we have an eternity that can be secured with him. But we've got some life here on Earth. There's some years, Lord willing, that a lot of you will have here on earth before we go there to be with him, okay? And so tonight I'd love to just talk to you about what does life on earth with Jesus look like as we kind of live in this in-between, as we kind of live in this already but not quite yet nature of faith and life, what do we do? So let's finish our time at camp by reading out of John chapter 20, we're going to talk just about that. Tonight, What do we do now? Okay, John 20, verse 19, says this. On the evening of the first week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side Lord Jesus, thank you for an epic week at camp. Most of all, thank you for doing what you've been in the business of doing since the beginning of time. Redeeming lost things. I'll never get that image out of my head for as long as I live of those students standing courageously to receive your faith last night. What a marker, what an indicator, and what a motivator for us who serve in ministry in any capacity to remind us of our why. I pray that you would have these students and that you would keep them connected to their church and focused on following you. It's in your name we pray, amen. amen. <laughs> and so I love animal shows. Like if you turn on National Geographic, I am gonna be in tune. And it's like, I'm like a kid. If I have like a, like a Capri Sun and some goldfish and an animal show, I'm content for hours. Like you don't have to bother me, I'm good, Right? And uh, like Planet Earth, y'all seen Planet Earth? Yeah. I like the Planet Earth. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm gonna. I like the Planet Earth that's narrated by Snoop Dogg. That one's my favorite. Uh, probably don't watch it, but I like it. Um, wait till you're older. Um, but there's another show that came out, not the one with the jumping sharks, not the one with the like, crazy snakes trying to eat the lizards on the beach. There's a show that came out and it was about American, North American animals. Now you got my attention. I love this country. Tell me more about our wildlife. And they're going on and on about orcas and how they're really the coolest like animals in the ocean. They eat sharks. I'm like, yes, goldfish, crunching, Capri Sun. I need another one, but I'm too fixated on the TV to get up and to go get another Capri Sun. I'm all in on this show. They start moving to North American birds. Now, something you need to know about me is I, six foot five, 300 pound man, love hummingbirds. I love hummingbirds. For those of you who like struggle with quiet time discipline, hang a hummingbird feeder and sit on your porch and just read scripture and watch these birds come drink fermented sugar water and fly around all hopped up on homemade sugar water with swords coming out of their faces. It's highly entertaining. So they're talking about the hummingbirds and then they move to what I think is the most North American animal of all. Like this thing just screams patriotism. The bald eagle. Yeah. So there I am just chowing down, having a good old time and they start talking about bald eagles. They talk about how bald eagles fall in love and get married and lay an egg and all these things. I'm like, this is beautiful. They talk about how when... um, dad eagle and mom eagle, who are married and following the Lord, so this relationship makes sense, okay? Um, and they waited, and they did good premarital counseling, all right? And then they get married, and they decide it's time to lay an egg um, to build a n- <laughs> You're welcome, counselors. Uh, and they build, a, um, they build a nest, but they don't just build any old nest. Listen to this. This is incredible. So here's how bald eagles build a nest. Yeah, they start with the boring old stuff, some sticks and some twigs, and they weave it together. Still, these animals don't have thumbs. They don't really have fingers. They have talons. And they're weaving baskets 200 feet up in the air to hold their precious little egg. After the basket's weaved, they do what I think is the most American thing any animal does. They go and they kill smaller, more feeble animals... Okay? And they take their skin off of their bodies, and they line their nest with it. Like, just think about it for a second. It's like the most American thing. They take resources from, like, neighbors, and they build their own home with it. Like, it's awesome, right? And so they make this nest all cushy and comfortable, and the egg hatches and looks all weird at first and have to, has to eat its mom's throw up and, you know, all the things that birds do. But as it gets older, it starts to sprout wings, or not wings, rather feathers. These feathers come, and the bird gets older, and I'm watching this show, and I'm like, this is amazing. I like, want to light off fireworks. I'm so excited. Like, Where's the voting booth? I'm ready to go. I'm so fired up about my country watching these birds. So what happens is as the bird gets older, it's time for that bird to leave the nest and go be its own independent bald eagle. And so how they get that bird to leave the nest is they begin to strip away all of the soft comforts of the nest. They make the nest uncomfortable so that the eagle has to get the muscles to stand on its own and to stretch its wings. All the while this bird is growing up to be what it was created to be, the parents are creating an environment that is less comfortable for them because one day, this bird needs to fly off into the sunset and remind us all of the freedoms we have in this beautiful country. Yeah? And so, All right, don't be weird. Oh, don't be weird. Okay, all right, so here's the deal. Um, I was watching that, and I went, oh, that will preach. Isn't that not exactly camp? Like, you show up to a place where every meal's a buffet. You can eat cookies all day long if you want to, you can, like, parents aren't here. Like, I've seen some of you take the big water jugs at the G store, empty it out into the lake. You think you're doing something good there by adding a little water to the lake. And then at the dining hall, fill it with Mountain Dew. Yeah. You, you don't get to do that at home. Like, your mom is going to not let you do that. Or your dad or whoever, not going to let you do that. But there comes a point in time where you, for those of you who are now followers of Jesus or were coming to camp, there comes a moment in time where you've got to stand on your own two feet, where you've got to leave this comfortable nest, where every single day we're opening God's word, where every single day we're hanging out with our friends, where every single day we're singing songs of worship and praise to God. You now get to go out into the world to be salt and light to a world that is dark and dying and in desperate need of the hope that you carry. And so there comes a moment in time, and that that night is now, where it's time to talk about the realities that you're going to face when you go home, because there's truth in that too. The truth of you going home is that you're going to face moments in time where you're going to have to choose to follow Jesus or not to. There's going to be some choices going home where you have to choose to be a, a dedicated, active part of your church and your youth group or not. There's going to be times when you go home where someone says to you, hey, how was camp? And it's like a a multiple choice test in your head. And you're like, can I go with A? Camp was awesome. Can I go with B? It was really fun. Can I go with C? I lost my voice. Or can I go with D? I learned a lot about Jesus and I would love to tell you about him. Like that's a choice that you're going to have to make when you go home. But here's the reality. This passage here in John 20, look back to it with me for a second, lines up almost perfectly for where we are on our timeline here at camp. You see, what's happened at this moment is these disciples have spent years with Jesus. They've seen him do miracles. They have tasted and they have seen of the goodness of God, and they are now ready and poised and positioned to carry that message forward when who shows up? Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. This is a group of people learning from the Lord post-resurrection after having dealt with a God who proves to have the power to make dead things come alive again. And friend, that's precisely where you sit right now. Where you sit is one day removed from a reminder or a first-time opportunity to trust and believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And now there's a second invitation for you. Jesus shows up to his disciples and he says, hey, peace be with you. You can be at peace. Why? Because your soul is eternally secure in me. And then he gives them two things. And These are the only two things I want to share with you tonight. The first thing he tells them is that you have been sent. And the second thing he tells them is that you have been filled. And so let me explain what it means for those of us in this room who are in Christ Jesus to live lives that are both filled and filled and sent, because this is what Jesus tells his disciples after his resurrection. He shows up in verse 21 and he says again, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. This is language that lines up in all of the gospels. Jesus now, as a result of his life, death, and resurrection, puts us as Christ followers on a path to replicate our faith in the lives of other people. There's a huge myth that exists in environments like this. There's there's a huge myth that exists when there's a stage and someone with a microphone that can sound smart for 30 minutes. And the myth is that this is my job and not your job. No, the only reason, the only reason I'm here this week is because I have been sent by the power of God to tell people that there is resurrection hope for lost, dark, and sinful people as a result of Jesus. I'm here because I've been sent by God. And I'll tell you what, if you, as a student... Only rely on your counselors and youth pastors to be the bearers of this message. You're going to exhaust them, and you're probably going to have a new youth pastor in the next year because this job wasn't meant for them to do alone. This job was meant for them to rally you, and you as an 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old, for all the rest of your days, you are now a part of this big, beautiful mission that God has had us all on. You get to be someone doing what I'm doing. And it may be with a stage, and it may be with a microphone, or it may be with a friend who is distraught and having a terrible time in life. And you go, I have words for you. Did you know how much God loves you? That is just as powerful as any sermon. You get to be a minister of the gospel in those moments. Like I said, when you go home, you got a choice to make. Are you going to say camp was cool and fun? Or you're going to say, here's why camp was cool and fun. Camp was cool and fun. Yeah, the wreck was great. The food was awesome. Hanging out with the homies was super great. But here's what I love the most. I learned some stuff about the God who made us all. Can I tell you about it? That's a decision that you're going to have to make. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, Jesus reiterates this message to his disciples. He says, hey, I want you to go, therefore, that therefore exists as a result of everything they have just seen Jesus do with their own eyes. He says, go therefore into the world and make disciples of all nations. A disciple is someone who is a learner or a follower of Jesus. If you've put your faith in Christ, you are considered a disciple. And a disciple's job is to make more disciples through through what? How? Well, Jesus gives us two things in Matthew 28. The first he says is by baptizing people. Jesus says, hey, part of you making disciples is going to be inviting people into public declarations of their faith. Again, that's not just for the pastor. That's not just for the youth pastor. That's not just for the counselor. If you put your faith in Jesus, you ought to be baptized. And if you're a part of someone coming to know Jesus, be a part of their baptism. And then the second thing he says is even more specific. He says, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Jesus says that that there's power when we reciprocate and when we recite the things that God through the power of his Holy Spirit is teaching us. He says that when we share that with other people, that becomes a way of sharing your faith with others and inviting them too to take serious the call in their lives to be a disciple. Again, not my job alone, not your counselor or your youth pastor's job alone. It's all of our job as the church. The primary focus of the church is first to worship God, second to equip the saints, and third to be a beacon of light and hope in a world that is desperately lost and dying. You're the one that gets to carry this good news with you back into whatever environment you step into tomorrow. The first thing Jesus tells his disciples in John 20 is that you have been sent. The second thing he says, he says here, and with that, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This lines up with Acts 2. This lines up with John 15 and 17. Like, th- there's, a, there's a part of God that exists in this world today that I think we really, really oftentimes forget is there. The Bible teaches that at your moment of salvation, you've been filled with the Spirit of God. That the Holy Spirit... As much God as Jesus, as much God as the Father, now now resides within you. Not in a temple, not on a mountaintop, not at Hume Christian camps, but in your life. That's why Jesus promises to always be with us to the the very end of the age. Here's what I want you to hear on this concept of being filled. In a world where all of us have collectively experienced loneliness like never before in the last two years, I want to tell you you're never alone. God is always with you. He's always with you. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to reveal to us deeper truths about who God is, to heal us, to intercede. That's that's to like carry our prayers to heaven is the way the language reads. The Spirit is active and moving in your life, molding and shaping and forming your soul to be more dependent upon Jesus and to look more like Jesus. And that's important because this world needs to know. You've been filled and you've been sent. What will you do with that? How will you live now as a result of this? I got a couple really practical things for you. The first is, the people that you came here to camp with are in your life by design. God did not make a single mistake by having you get in whatever vehicle you got into to come up here to this place to build deeper relationships with the people around you, to solidify a wonderful, healthy, spiritually guiding relationship with your youth pastor. Like, this is a part of God's plan for your life. Treat it as such. It's not a mistake. Like, do you want to see your youth pastor do a literal backflip? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. So, when you go home, next time you go to youth group, Go up to your youth pastor and say, hey, pastor, uh, camp was awesome because God taught me some incredible things. And I have prayed about it, which shouldn't take long because the answer to this prayer is always a yes. Um, And I just want to know how I can get involved in helping you lead and helping you manage and helping you outreach. Like, I'll hold doors. I'll take out trash. I'll learn how to teach the Bible. I can kind of sing. I'll do that. Like, whatever the gifts are that God's given you, take that like a little offering basket to your youth pastor and put the pressure on them to say, lead me, show me, help me figure out what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Have a group of people that you open God's word with and you study. Did you know that there's an app called the Bible app? And at the bottom of that app, there's a button that says plans. And if you click that button that says plans, you could type just about anything in there anything that you're struggling with, anything that you're dealing with, maybe you're just looking for some kind of regimen, some kind of format to follow as you yourself study scripture. You you can open that up and say Bible reading plan and it will give you a list of options. And that little computer in your pocket that gives you access to the world can now be used as a tool to form you more and more into the image of Christ and can look less and less like a distraction from the hardness and the shame of this world you know this about the Bible app. You can send a text link from said Bible reading plan to your friends, and you can chat in there. You can hold each other accountable. So like you could do like the, one of my favorite plans on there is the Gospels in 45 days. You'll study the life and ministry of Jesus. Everything we've talked about this week is covered in there. And you can get a little crew of people And you can send the link to them through their text message or email. And then every single day, your phone will say, don't forget to read. And you can read it. And God's going to show you something as you read through his word. And you can go, wow, guys, today I learned this. Isn't that amazing? And someone else will say, wow, I didn't think of it that way. And now you communally have been allowing yourself to be formed and shaped and molded through the spirit of God as you read these words that were written about him thousands of years ago. I feel like we make this so much more complicated than it has to be. Don't allow yourself to be distracted or mistaken that the life of a Christian is meant to be a life that is lived perfectly. You will sin, you will fail, you will fall down. But the difference is now you have something you can do about it. You can repent of that sin and turn towards God and God in his loving kindness will say, let's get after it again. There's forgiveness for you even for those of you who like me struggle with doubt where it's like yeah at camp it's so easy to get fired up about Jesus and then you go home and football starts or volleyball or soccer or you know parents are going through something and you get distracted i understand that way of life very 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 intimately like doubt is something that i have wrestled with for the majority of my walk with jesus and a page later From this passage that we're reading, you you could read, I I would love to do a sermon on this, but I'm going to put it in your lap. You could read about a guy named Thomas, one of Jesus's 12 disciples who saw everything that we've talked about this week firsthand with his own eyes and still struggled to put his faith in Jesus. Doubt is a very natural thing, but it's what we do with that doubt that makes the difference. Are you going to press in and find the answers? Or are you going to allow that doubt to become an excuse for you to walk away from something that is so valuable and so cherished in your life? Friend, your faith is now your responsibility as a result of you meeting Jesus here or wherever you met him. And my hope and my encouragement to you is that you will press into your church, that you will press into your faith in Jesus, and that you will allow your life to be used as a vessel to see his kingdom built here on earth. For the youth pastors and counselors, please don't quit. Please don't quit. These kids desperately need guidance. These kids desperately need someone to show them the way. Stay healthy. Find health. Ruth Haley Barton, in her book Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, said this. For you youth pastors, she said this. Truly, the best thing any of us have to bring to our leadership is our own transforming selves. Lead from a place of transformation and watch these kids pick up that fire and run right next to you. It's hard and it's difficult. Jesus got killed over this, but he came back from the dead. There's resurrection power available to all of us. There's repentance and forgiveness and freedom and grace. Why? Because God is kind to his core. So let me land the plane. I want to land the plane by telling you this. You have been sent by Jesus and filled with his spirit to go out into this world and advance the kingdom of God through the sharing of his love and his kindness and his gospel. It's almost as if there's this giant wall around the kingdom of God. And when you meet Jesus, he brings to you a toolbox. And he says, here's the tools that you get to have for all of your life. They're going to change, they're going to grow. You'll need some at sometimes, others you get to put away. But here's what I've given you to help me advance this great kingdom. And then he set you off Ephesians chapter 2:10 says for we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus For good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in. This idea of being sent means that God has something for you to do already. You, as you press into your relationship with Jesus, get to have your eyes and your heart and your soul awakened to what that could be. And then you go out to your own little corner of the kingdom, and you get to use those tools that God has given you to see more people come to know Jesus. It's not my job. It's not your pastor's job. It's our job as the church to advance this mission. What will you do with it? What kind of life will you live? The life of a disciple is a life lived in humble submission to Jesus. I am no longer my own. That's why Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I'm gonna live by faith, having faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. You get to now go live a resurrected life that has been both sent by the power of God and filled with his Spirit. I want to pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, as we wrap up this week at camp, I think of your words in John 20. Let me read these over you guys as we close our time in prayer. John 20, verse 31, 30 and 31 says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these words are written that you may believe or continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. So Jesus, we say thank you for the faith that has grown this week. We say thank you for both filling and sending us, for the reminder, God, that we're never alone. We always have you in our lives if we've put our faith in you. I pray for every, every girl, every boy, every man, every woman, everyone in this room, that you would help us to live lives that are marked by being filled and sent on your behalf. We love you we thank you. It's in your name we pray, amen. amen.